Please take your seat. I really loved Dale's testimony this morning, her and Peter's testimony. It just took me back to a very, very similar uh, testimony that Carol and I uh, have. We, we were married in uh, 1975, and I had just flown over from Germany, where I was stationed in the military, to marry her and bring her back on a military uh, hop. And um, I, it, my, our situation was so similar. I had uh, a, uh, several hundred dollars, a few hundred dollars, in my back pocket of tithes that I had not been able to give. And uh, so I just thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll give it uh, in, in, in church. But by the time I had landed and we rented the tux and paid for the license, I had $7 to my name. I had $7. And I remember the evening, it was a Wednesday night church service, and the offering plate started coming by. And here's this woman I'm going to marry in about two days. And uh, she actually had to rent my tux, but I did pay for the license. I felt that I should at least do that, you know. And I had $7, and then I had some hundreds that had been tithes that I had just not been able to give. And I remember as that plate was coming by, uh, Peter, I was thinking, Lord, I need this money more than you do. <laughs> I literally said that to him. I, I need this money more than you do. And I felt, of course, what a good heavenly father he is. I felt like him saying, all good, all good. And so I felt real peace. It was all good and until the plate come by. And I just reached in through faith, obedience, whatever. I pulled those hundreds of dollars out, paid my tithes two days before we got married. And this year we'll be celebrating 49 years. And we have, we have to God be the glory. And like you guys, we have been paying our tithes from the front of our income, not, not, not the back, for 49 years. And I tell you before God, we have thousands of testimonies in 49 years of marriage of the provision the miraculous, the supernatural provision of God. What an amazing adventure our life has been financially as we also, as you guys, I just love that testimony, took me way back, way back. Well, we are getting ready for something powerful and fantastic. Obviously, we have a, our missions conference coming in just a few weeks, three, three weeks or so. But we are now preparing ourselves at the beginning of the year Holidays are over, and we are now, as a church, doing what we've been doing for quite a few years, and that is sort of for us beginning the year with our 21-day fast. So I want to talk about that today. Would you reach your hand out towards me, please, and pray for me? Our Father, we love you, and we bless you, and we are here for you. We really are. And Lord, we're also here for others. And I just thank you that in that process, you take care of us. You take care of us. You're here for us as we are here for you and as we are here for others. Now speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I want to show you over these 21 days who we're fasting for. We've decided to really prepare our heart for the conference that's coming up. We just happen to have 21 major projects in the nations of the world. So. Here is Dr. Sostein and his family. We start on Thursday. The, the fast starts the 1st uh, of February on Thursday. And this is Dr. Sostein and his family. There's Jamie. 
Thank you. Jamie and Leah Peters, and uh, they also are in Africa. Jamie, uh, uh, and I've known, Carol and I have been in their home. We've been with, you know, they moved to America after many years in Australia. Their father gave them this big, beautiful church in uh, uh, Palm Beach, Florida, and they were dying there after about 18 months to return to Africa and sow their life back into that nation. They'll be with us for our conference. And then we're also, uh, of course, uh, Rebecca uh, uh, and, and her husband, Kelvin, but Rebecca grew up in this church. Five years old, she knew she wanted to be a missionary, and they're in Vietnam. This is, I think, day three, we're praying for them. Paulos and, of course, Marlisha, we're praying for them. And uh, Dr. Uh, David Moore, uh, we've met him. He's in Tamworth there. Uh, we've, we've been able to open, you know, like a 1,000 eyes through cataract surgery there in India. So we'll be praying. And that's his daughter, by the way, who is a brilliant surgeon as well. And, uh, and of course, there we have uh, the Groves family um, from, uh, and the work, they're a great Australian family. We'll be, we'll be fasting and praying for them as well. And of course, our West Care team, that's a lot of faces up there and a lot of volunteers. And our, our West Care team will be fasting and praying for them uh, this next week as well. And, uh, of course, in Nepal, our Destiny Rescue Team, brilliant team that stands there at the border to rescue little girls who have no idea that what they're really headed to as they cross that border, they think it's a job or something, but it's actually a trap. And uh, they're headed into a life of exploitation. And we are able to save hundreds and hundreds of young girls through our team there. We'll be fasting and praying for them. And, uh, of course, uh, in Israel, uh, the, uh, this is the uh, Hakteva Project, uh, Evan, and uh, I would like to get Evan to come and visit us soon when things settle maybe a little bit there in Israel. And, um, uh, all the, and of course, Daniel and Heidi, and you can have a go at saying their last name. I thought I'd try to do it to impress you, but I figured I'd probably more embarrass myself than impress you. But there, there they are. We love those guys and what they're doing in Mexico. They've been here with us as well. And then we have, of course, our own uh, SRE. Our, our, can you believe we still have the opportunity to go into schools and teach Scripture? How many of you had Scripture taught while you were in school? You know, New South Wales is the only place left, and it's hanging on by a thread, just politically, to be honest with you. But our team still is doing that. We'll be praying and fasting there. And, uh, of course, our work in Cambodia, where we're doing digging wells and doing so much there. Uh, and next. And thank you. And, of course, there's Gertrude. And we, we, we miss her and her husband, Timothy. They're probably online right now because they watch every Sunday live. It's nighttime in Liberia. But shout out to, to Timothy and Gertrude as well. And uh, next, uh, our sister connection there in Burundi, these beautiful, precious people that help us build. And we have built hundreds and hundreds of homes for widows there. I just wanted you to see faces. And by the way, these photos are all available uh, on our website as you're fasting and praying. When you're getting real hungry, look at some of these photos. While you're fasting and it's a little difficult, look at some of these photos. And this is our work uh, with uh, Doran Sheldon, uh, who we just saw just a few months ago in America. And they're in uh, Brazil. All right. And uh, Victor. We want to really pray for Victor and his family, both in Israel, and both of his daughters are soldiers, by the way. And so we really want to pray and fast for Victor and the work that they do there in the Bible Society of Israel. And, of course, the Bible Society here in Australia through uh, translation uh, of the scriptures into beautiful indigenous language. 
and uh, Agnes uh, 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 Bangura, and I knew her husband. I was good friends with her husband. And here we have over 100 boys and girls in Sierra Leone that we are taking through school, paying all their fees and everything that they need. And uh, then through Open Doors, we're ministering in Central Asia, Iraq, and, and, and other places, and helping Christians that are being persecuted in those places. In the Middle East, we have a family, and uh, I know this family personally. I have been with them, preached with them, prayed with them. Beautiful Australian couple with kids, and they are living in a very, very uh, uh, dangerous country, and they are um, serving Jesus uh, in that country. And so uh, one of the days we'll be fasting and praying for them. And, of course, uh, Eloise uh, Olympian, and uh, we're working with her and, and the work there in Uganda. Is that everything? Is there another? All right. So just, just to give us a sense of who we are fasting for. And then what are we praying as we are fasting over these 21 days, over those 21 photos that just came up? What are we praying for? Well, we're praying for protection, and we're praying for breakthrough, and we're praying for favor, and we're praying for harvest and we're praying for souls, and we're praying for disciples, and we're praying for resources and families and, and, and health. We're praying for the governments and the elections that they have to work in. We're praying for buildings and workers and opportunities, and we're praying for open doors, and we're praying for open hearts, and we're praying for increase. We're praying for justice. We're praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're praying for wisdom. And so how do we do this? How do we fast? How do we fast? The Bible teaches us that there are times of feasting and fasting. As a matter of fact, we just sort of finished a whole season through the holidays, Christmas, family, friends, food. And for mo many of us, even for us, we've just kind of been through a season of feasting. But in the book of Leviticus, we have described to us not only the weekly Shabbat Sabbath meal, which was a feast every Saturday. It was prepared ahead of time. But also we learned there in Leviticus 23 of seven feasts in the Bible, sanctioned feasts where people would come together. We had the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Harvest, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Feasting and fasting is throughout the Scripture. Feasting and fasting from the Old Testament all the way through into the New Testament. And even though we have those seven feasts in the Old Testament, actually fasting is mentioned 70 times in the Bible. And in the book of Daniel, there's a very significant fast. By the way, it's a very unique fast, the only one of its kind that we can find in Scripture. But in the book of Daniel, we see him for 21 days fasting certain foods. He fasted certain foods. He ate no pleasant food. He had no meat or wine or came into his mouth. In other words, he really, he limited. He, so this was a unique fast and that his fast was a fasting certain foods. But other than that fast, the rest of the Bible commonly speaks of fasting. And fasting literally means not eating. The Hebrew word for fasting literally means to cover the mouth to cover the mouth. The Greek word for fasting 
means to abstain from food. So most often when the Bible speaks of fasting, it's simply, simply, we can make it more complicated, but it simply means not eating. So how do we fast? Well, we either abstain from certain foods, like Daniel, or we abstain from certain meals for a season or for a period of time, like the rest of Scripture. Bottom line is that fasting is a sacrifice. And sacrifices, by their very nature, are difficult. They're challenging. By the way, you can take that slide down, please, on the screen. Anytime you like. Thank you. Bottom line is, fasting is hard. Feasting is easy. Feasting, it's easy to feast. But it's hard to fast. Sacrifices, by their very nature, are difficult and challenging. But we are not to shy away from difficult and challenging as Christians. If we think that the Christian life is nothing but feasting, we don't have a good perspective of what the Christian life is all about. It's certainly about feasting, but it's also about fasting. It's also about sacrifice. We wouldn't be here today without the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And Paul wrote to the Romans, and he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Well, a living sacrifice, fasting can most certainly be described as a living sacrifice. We're just a few weeks away from our Faith Promise Missions Conference. We always ask ourselves three questions when we make a faith promise. We ask ourselves, what could I give? What could I give up? And what could I believe God for? And so, in fasting, we definitely ask that second question. And maybe we ask that second question a few weeks before we even get to our, our missions conference. What could I give up? What could I sacrifice? Now, I know the tendency of my heart, and there's a proclivity in me to kind of think, what's the least I could give? What's the least I can do? And I know even though that that's sort of a lean-in, it's not necessarily the right thing. Because we know that when David was instructed by the Lord to bring a sacrifice, 70,000 people had died in a plague that had come across all of Israel. And the Lord said, it's enough. And he told David, bring me a sacrifice. Where David was standing when that instruction came was on a threshing floor. And on that threshing floor, it was owned by Aruna or Oren. Uh, there are two versions, uh, uh, two descriptions, uh, one in Samuel and one in uh, Chronicles. But as David is there, here's the threshing floor with oxen and implements, uh, 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 yokes, and everything David needs to bring a sacrifice. And this was a sacrifice that needed to be brought like right now because the it was so desperate. The moment was so desperate. And so he's standing there with Aruna, and we read in 2 Samuel 
24 and verse 22 through 24, Aruna says to David, Let my lord the king take and offer whatever seems good to him. Look, here are, you know, my oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But, you know, David said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which that don't cost me anything. And so David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. What's interesting here is that David wasn't looking for a bargain or a concession. He wasn't looking for a blue light special or a discount because this was a sacrifice. And he took it to heart. And it was important. And what he was sacrificing for was very important. And so, how do we fast? Well, obviously, we decide. We decide how to fast. And somehow, as we decide to fast, if we want to do a biblical fast, we cover our mouth. It's the Hebrew word. We abstain from certain food or from certain meals, like the Greek, to abstain from food. So certain foods or certain meals we bring as an offering to the Lord. Now, obviously, if you're pregnant or have a medical situation or, you know, something like that, well, you would know that you probably should not join us in the fast. But maybe you could join us in doubling down for 21 days in the prayer part of this. Fasting can't be forced. Fasting is something that, you know, a sacrifice is something we bring out of our own heart and willingness. And yet, many times, we're called to fast together. But I would say each one chooses their fast. But if, can I just say in, in, in the Bible days, there wasn't the option of just giving up your coffee and not watching your favorite TV program. Because that's not what fasting meant in the scriptures. And I'm not judging anybody because I would be right in the middle of that myself. But at some point in a fast, we have to think that it, what the Bible is talking about is food. It's talking about food. And either a limiting of certain types of food or a limiting of certain times of eating. Now, my personal insight from fasting I won't share my embarrassments and my flops, but I do know that doing a 21-day fast is really hard to do, but doing a one-day fast is not so hard. And what I've learned through the years is however I've decided to fast for 21 days, I just forget 21, and I just think about one. And I'll just get up in the morning and begin that day with prayer and seeking God and doing what I feel I should do, the sacrifice I feel I should bring. And I, all I'm thinking of is I just need to make it to bed tonight. Just make it to bed tonight. Just make it to bed tonight doing what I felt in my heart I should be doing as a fast. And I find getting through one day is a whole lot easier than getting through 21 days, but it's just I wake up the next day and do one day again. 
And I do that again. <laughs> and I do that again. And so we've looked at who we are fasting for. We've looked at what we should pray for them as we are fasting. And we've discussed biblically, you know, uh, how we should fast. But I want to now talk about why fast. Why fast? And I want to give you three answers to the question, why fast? And the first answer is found in the word power. Power. I'm going to read an amazing passage of Scripture to you from Mark chapter 9, verse 14. This is the longest portion of the Bible ever given to one of the most desperate situations that we find in the New Testament. And here's what we read. Jesus has been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's been up there with Peter, James, and John. And as he comes down, the disciples, they've been at Caesarea Philippi. They've been in that area. And the mountain there is Mount Hermon. And so they've come down, and here is the scene that Jesus walks into. When he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them. How many do you think that was? A great multitude, whatever you think that was. That would probably be more than 10. But it was a great multitude around them. And scribes disputing with them. With who? With those nine disciples that were there. And immediately when they saw him, Jesus, all the people were greatly amazed, this, this big crowd, this multitude, and running to him, greeted him, and he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. So I, I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But they could not. And he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often the Spirit throws him both into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became as one dead so that many said he's dead that spirit's finally killed him he's been trying to kill him all of his life he's dead but Jesus took him by the hand lifted him up and he arose 
And when he'd come to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind, like the worst of the worst, can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Why fast? Because there is a power in prayer and fasting like no other power. This is where the church goes nuclear. And there is nothing in hell, nothing in the region of darkness or despair. This was a despairing situation. There is no power greater than this power of prayer and fasting. Why fast? Because there is a power in fasting that will break the most desperate scenario and situation. Secondly, why fast? Because I want to use this word, not just power, but perspective. Perspective. Man, there's just something about fasting. It just gives us perspective. We read in John chapter 5 and verse 30, the Lord Jesus said, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. My judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself. But him who sent me. Man, fasting will just give us a, a completely different perspective, especially if we've just come out of a season of feasting where it's all about pleasing myself. Jesus said, I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. And you know, up in Samaria, when Jesus had ministered to the woman at the well, and she had now gone back in to the city of Samaria to share her testimony with that city. The disciples came back to Jesus with food because he had not eaten since early that morning. They'd been on the road for hours and hours and hours, and they brought Jesus food. But Jesus says these words. How's this for perspective? Jesus says these words in John 4 and verse 34. My nourishment, my food, comes from doing the will of God who sent me and finishing his work. I'm going to tell you, family, fasting changes our focus. Fasting changes my focus. Feasting is all about me. But fasting is all about finishing his work and others. Others. There's a perspective that comes to us in fasting that we will never get in feasting. Fasting gives me perspective. I go from sight to insight. My perception changes from the temporal to the eternal. My thoughts begin to move into the realm of the heavenly, not the earthly. Why fast? Why fast? There's power in fasting. Why fast? Because fasting fixes my focus and it helps my perspective. And thirdly, why fast? And I want to use this word, not just power, not just perspective, 
but partnership. 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 There is such a strength when we are together, together, in unity, in oneness of heart, in focus. I mean, this is, this is the goal of armies, is to learn to walk in step together. Discipline, left foot down together, left foot down together, left foot down together. There is something powerful. There is something that moves strong in the spirit realm when we have unity, oneness of heart, partnership. God moves in powerful, life-giving ways where there is harmony and oneness of heart and purpose. The Lord Jesus himself says these amazing words to us in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19 and 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I believe Jesus is here in the midst of us. And I believe in these 21 days as we are gathered together in his name for his purpose. And as we bring to him a living sacrifice, whatever that looks like for each one of us, I believe he will be here with us for these 21 days. And a presence of the Lord and a power of the Lord as we focus our purpose together with oneness, oneness of heart. King David spoke of it. He spoke of this power of unity. Now, King David was a military man, but he understood the power of unity. When he said in Psalm 133, he said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Is it good, David? Oh, it's good. What's it like? Let me tell you what it's like. It's like the anointing oil of God that came down over Aaron, the priest, the brother of Moses. It's like that oil that came down over him, over his head and his beard. That anointing, that Holy Spirit anointing. And it came all the way down, his, even to the very skirts of his garments. Wow, what's it like, David? What is this together in unity like? I'll tell you what it's like, David says. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon. It's like the dew. By the way, please put that scripture up. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon. The dew on Mount Hermon, running down, flowing down. You see, Mount Hermon, when that dew comes down, it descends. The word for descend is literally Jordan. And what happens on Mount Hermon as that dew comes down is the Jordan River is formed. And life, the Jordan River is the only life-flowing river in all of Israel. And everywhere that Jordan River flows in Israel, it brings life. It brings life to the nation. It brings life to the people. And where does it come from? It comes from the dew. It comes from Mount Hermon. And that's what brethren together in unity is like. It causes a flow of life. It causes a flow of the Holy Spirit when we are to. It, this is one of the. This is terrifying to the enemy. No wonder fasting would be kind of a, a number one thing to resist. 
It's, and it's like, not just am I resisting it, <laughs> but the enemy certainly would be resisting it because it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion for there, where? Together and in unity. There, the Lord commanded the blessing. And what blessing did he command? Life. Life. And everlasting life. Partnership relationship, family, fellowship, unity, harmony, accord. This is how we see the, the church in the book of Acts. This is how we see them. This is how we receive them. This is how we see them receiving so much from the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, these all continued with one accord. That means together in unity, with one accord in prayer and in supplication. We just get to the very next chapter, chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And here's this church, this church born of the Spirit. And we read in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were, with, they were all with one accord in one place. No wonder they could receive the Holy Spirit. No wonder the Holy Spirit would come with tongues of fire. No wonder there'd be the sound of a mighty rushing wind blowing throughout that place. Why not? They were together in one place. They had one accord in their hearts. And we even read a few verses later in Acts 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Now, I want to finish today by showing you one of the most amazing events that happened in the entire New Testament. Can I have our team please come? And I want to show you that this event that changed everything, literally this is the event that changed everything in the New Testament, and it happened while a local church was fasting and praying. And I want to show it to you. And so I'm reading from Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. In the church that was at Antioch. Now Antioch, about 488 kilometers north of Jerusalem. And so up here in this church, now there's some prominent people in that church. Just like there are some prominent people right here in this church. And in that church, up at Antioch, certain prophets, teachers, well, there was Barnabas. There was Simeon, who was called Niger. There was Lucius of Cyrene. There was Menem, you know, the guy who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. What? So here's this church in Antioch. And here's these leaders. And they're ministering to the Lord together, the church in Antioch, fasting. They're fasting as a church. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now, now, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Come on, 
this right here may be the greatest missions event that's ever happened in the history of the world. When the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me, basically Paul and Barnabas, because those men go out and Paul ends up writing the majority of the New Testament and the church's birth. And you and I are here today. I think I could say without too much, you know, stretch that we are saved and in the church today because of that fast and prayer of a church in Antioch that released the apostle Paul, who has helped every one of us in our walk as we read the Bible. All of this happened. Think about it. All of this happened in a local church that was fasting and praying. So over the next 21 days, beginning Thursday, look at your neighbor and say, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't forget. If we're going to do any feasting, let's get it done before Thursday. We're going to be fasting for our 21 workers projects that we support financially around the world. But now we're not just going to be supporting them with our finances. We're going to be bringing some personal something that costs me something more than just money. Focus. We're going to look at their picture every day, one a day. They'll be coming. We have our you know, our guide to help us through, and it's online as well as in-house. You can pick this up. We're praying for them. We're fasting for them. We're not thinking about ourselves so much. And every time we get hungry, there's my trigger for prayer. There's my trigger for lean-in. There's my trigger for power and perspective and partnership with you. Because when I'm hungry, I know you're hungry too. We're hungry together. And we're praying for them, for each of these precious people who are laying their lives down in nations of the world. We're praying for their protection and their breakthrough and their favor and harvest and souls and disciples and resources and families and health and elections and governments and buildings and workers and opportunities and open doors and open hearts and increase and justice and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And how are we going to fast? By covering our mouth as the Old Testament Hebrew word means, or by abstaining from food, as the New Testament Greek means, and by not eating, by not eating certain foods or certain meals. And why are we, as a local church out here in the western suburbs of Sydney and those who join us online, why are we going to do a 21-day fast? Because there is power. There is power in fasting like no other power. And because there is a perspective in fasting that changes everything in my life. And because there is a partnership in fasting that brings unity an agreement, and there's a guarantee from the Lord Jesus that as we gather together in his name, two or more, that we will have the very things that we have asked for. Would you stand with me?
power. Perspective. Partnership. I just want you to know over these next 21 days, every time you feel hunger, I'm feeling it with you. I'm feeling it with you. And we're doing it together. And we're going to see breakthrough in the nations of the world. This church, as B said a few minutes ago, we're Imagine Nations Church. We're not Imagine Ourselves Getting More Church. We're Imagine Nations Church. We're going to sow ourselves. And in a few weeks, we'll begin to sow our, we'll make promises of faith for finances. I believe the power of unity, the power of partnership, the Holy Spirit moves. I expect the Holy Spirit to move like he did in the New Testament when the local church was fasting and praying. And I expect him to speak to the church just like he did because the Holy Spirit can move and the Holy Spirit can speak when God's people are in one accord, in one place, together, where there is no unity, there is no division, there is no self-seeking, there is no personal agenda. We lay it all down for the King and His cause. And I expect the Holy Spirit to be over us as a church. I expect Him to help us. I expect Him to empower us. I expect Him to speak to us. I expect Him to prophesy to us. I expect him to give us guidance and leadership and direction as we together focus on others for these 21 days. Please lead us.